Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. All right, back once again. We got Danny Vietti joining the boys of the Wake and Rake podcast. Love the name of the pod. Love Will Middlebrooks. I'm glad you do it with him. That's super awesome. Used to man the hot corner for my Boston Red Sox. And my um, Padres for a time, and, too. And your Padres. And 1090 people's Padres. Baseball is the name of the game here today. And it is the good, the bad, and the ugly, like we like to say. So let's start off at least with the good. It was a lot of fun uh, before the lockout with free agency. Danny, give me a free agent signing that you loved and one that was a bit of a head scratcher for you. If there's a couple in your mind that you got, you're allowed to break and go for two. I could go so many different ways with this. Let me start with the one that I really loved. Starling Marte, I think, is a great value deal for a number of different reasons. It's not only what he brings to the table statistically, it's what he brings energy-wise, passion-wise. I think that's what New York needs. I think Francisco Lindor, they had expectations placed upon him when he signed that big deal with New York. They all of a sudden wanted him to change the entire culture that was the New York Mets. And that's not something that someone can single-handedly do. So when you bring in guys like a Francisco Lindor, you bring in a guy like Max Scherzer, who is a leader, given leader, future Hall of Famer, that's how you change a culture. And Starling Marte is a great value deal. He could play all around the outfield. He had more stolen bases last year than three other teams, single hand. Unreal. Unbelievable. So we can talk about statistically what he does, what he brings to the table, but he impacts the game so many different ways. Mm-hmm. He could go 0 for 4 at the dish, and he'll still impact the game on the field and on the base pass. That's just what he does. Love the Starling Marte. Now let's change gears a little bit, and let me tell you what I didn't love. And it's not necessarily that I didn't like the deal. It's what I didn't like what how it resulted and what, what ended up happening. And so I didn't love that Tampa Bay ended up signing Corey Kluber. And here's why. It's not that I don't like Corey Kluber and I don't like that signing. I don't like that because they added Kluber, they had to uh, get a roster spot. They had to open up a roster spot. So they got rid of Joey Wendell and sent him off to Miami. Love that deal for Miami. Miami's getting a guy that can play all around the infield, super utility player. He was an all-star, all-star last, last year. year. That was a weird uh, deal. And he's affordable too, which yeah. is Tampa Bay paradise. So you get rid of an affordable super utility guy. And I'm not saying that Tampa Bay is not going to be competitive now. Tampa Bay has this luxury where they can get rid of a 2021 all-star and still make the American League championship and maybe even win a World Series next year. That's a luxury that not all teams have. But to get rid of a guy like Joey Wendell, great addition for the Miami Marlins, but to get rid of him, I don't love that. That's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, of all the pitching signings, like on the top, I thought the Stroman and the Erod signings were a bit of the head scratchers for me, even though like they seem cheap compared to the other ones. But I like the way you looked at that because getting rid of Nick and I and Toss were texting, getting rid of Joey was like, why? He was so impactful. And like we're talking such a premium aspect for a player these days is his ability to play across the diamond. And Joey can do that in spades. Um, but I love the Marte pick, it's affordable. Uh, he's 33, yeah. but he still can move extremely well. And the Mets, honestly, if you really look at it, nothing against Nimmo, but they're really missing a table setter. Some guy head to hit of Lindor, Alonzo, who honestly Alonzo took a lot of the reins. The you know the 
the change of pace guy in New York. He wants to be that guy in the clubhouse, it seems, which takes alleviates some of the pressure off Lindor. But having Marte in front of Lindor and Alonso is going to be massive. Um, what about some of the bigger signings? Baez, Seager, Simeon. Which of those do you like the most? Yeah, I'm still kind of hanging on here to see where Chris Bryant and Craig goes and some of these other dudes. Bryant thing is weird. It, yeah, I mean, I think that this is not to answer your question. This is kind of just to go on a tangent. But the idea of a free agent signing deadline is great. Uh, we had the uh, unofficial deadline when it came to the lockout. So all of these awesome. signings came down the pipeline. I loved it, Nick. Exactly. Uh, it was very NBA-esque. It was just utter chaos for like two weeks. That's what they need in Major League Baseball because – I mean, when Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies, it took till February. Garrett Cole uh, ended up signing, I believe it was December, either late December or early January, something like that. Some of the bigger free agents, it takes them months to decide. I mean, to know it's not their fault. That's just the way Major League Baseball is. But I think Major League Baseball wants to you know, continue to reach a younger audience. That's one way they could do it. Um, I want to say I love the, the obviously the, the kind of the elephant in the room, if you will, is the Texas Rangers and what they were able to do. But I don't love that they had to overspend. I'm not going to condemn or critique them for overspending for Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, because if I, I if they don't give Simeon seven years, they probably don't land Simeon. If they don't give Seager three hundred thirty million dollars, they probably don't land Corey Seager. That's just where they are as a franchise because they had to overspend. They had to over length with Simeon. But I do like the John Gray signing. That was more under the radar for them. They need starting pitching. They have some young dudes coming up. But to have a guy like John Gray, he's not your typical, you know, annual all-star, you know, all-star caliber pitcher. But yeah. he's a guy that has strikeout stuff, wipeout slider, one of the best sliders in the game. He was upper 90s on his fastball last year. And he was truly, I mean, when you're talking about stuff, got really good stuff and he's a guy that's pitched in Coors his entire life so I like his uh, potential in Texas we talk about it all the time and I I know that it kind of depends on each situation we always discuss if a player is actually really worth 300 million dollars right and you look at a guy like Corey Singer who's injury prone you got to give him 300 million dollars because someone's going to do it that's just the way the market is these days but if you look at all the contracts so far in recent years that have been that much Hasn't worked out. Mike Trout's hasn't really worked out. John Carlos hasn't worked out. I mean, you could say that Manny maybe, but like he still hasn't become an like an MVP, right? You know, he missed an All Star game. Um, Mookie Betts even like. When are we gonna? Is it always gonna be this trend of guys not working out for three hundred million, or do you think it's worth it at some point? It's a really great question, and I get a lot of criticism for this. You can make the case that there are you could count how many players are worth three hundred million dollars plus on one hand. Because you mentioned certain guys, but Miguel Cabrera is another one. I especially don't like giving guys long eight, nine-year contracts when they're approaching 30. Marcus Simeon is going to be 38 years old when his seven-year contract expires. That's lengthy for me. Um, when we're talking about guys like, however, your Wanda Francos, your Ronald Acuna's, your Fernando Tatis Jr.'s, that's a, that's a bargain for me because you're going to get a stud in his prime and you're gonna be he's gonna outperform yeah. that contract if anything so well, Cunha is by far the biggest steal so far in MLB <laughs> it should be illegal honestly it's absurd yeah. it's ridiculous Alex Anthopoulos is probably the most underrated general manager in the game honestly I mean as evident by what he did Sports, over yeah year. he won the he won the World Series like he won the World Series like it was it was phenomenal I mean that team was left for dead you lose a Cunha the whole he's their best player in the team no offense to Freddie Freeman and a lot of the pitchers weren't pitching up to snuff 
And then Soroka never came back. I mean, that team was, you know, we thought that was going to be a Mets race, a Phillies race. Braves end up winning it and take it all the way because of all the moves he made. Uh, it was really phenomenal. I, I, th- I don't hate the Seager one, though, as much because of how front-loaded it is. And he's only 27. But he is so injury-prone, dude. Like, the Correa thing is like, are you going to give – would you give Correa 350? Like, would you do that? That's kind of nuts to me. I would. It would depend on the team. Um, I, I think Seattle is very interesting. But the problem is <laughs> – What are they doing? The problem is they are very um, adamant about keeping JP Crawford at shortstop. They said they're not moving JP and to his credit. I mean, JP is one of the best defenders in baseball. He's not quite the hitter, obviously that near, not near the hitter that Carlos Correa is. You talked about uh, seekers injury concerns. Correa too has that injury um, history. So I I think Seattle need where they're at. I compare them a lot to the San Diego Padres trajectory wise and timeline wise um, where San Diego was two years ago. Tatis was coming up. They had their young studs. They signed Machado. That was huge. Um, Where Seattle is now, they have Julio Rodriguez coming up. They had Logan Gilbert come up last year. Um, Jared Kalenic showed a lot of promise in the last month of the season. He had like 270 with like nearly 10 bombs or something like that in the last month. So you have these young studs coming up similar to where San Diego was at one point, but San Diego is able to land Machado. You need that superstar to be the face of the franchise. Mm -hmm. Seattle needs a Trevor Story type player. Seattle needs a Carlos Correa type person. I'm not saying Carlos Correa specifically, but you need a face of the franchise type, type player. And I think Trevor Story would be a great option. Chris Bryant. Correa, Correa would be great. But again, they're not willing to move J.P. Crawford from short. And I very highly <laughs> doubt Carlos Correa would ever play anywhere but shortstop. No. Yeah. I, I, no think, I think Chris Bryant fits there pretty well if, if we're uh, making predictions yeah. for free agency. Agreed. Yeah. Personality wise, it'd be great. I mean, he is a, like, he's a face of the franchise type player, big name. He can be on all your posters. He can get fans into the ballpark and into those seats. I I agree. It'd be an interesting option for him. I think he has the, he has the Bryce Harper effect on me though. And I was wrong about Bryce. I I will be the first to admit it. I say on our podcast for years that I thought Harper was the most overrated guy in baseball. And obviously this year he proves me wrong. I don't think Brian's overrated. I just don't know if he's like, is he like a top 15 position player? Probably not. I, I'm with you. So I, I was guilty of, I never said Harper was overrated. I always thought he was a great player. I always said he was overpaid. And I think that's very, that's a little bit more fair to say because the whole overrated thing, it's like, it's so subjective. But when you take into monetary exchange for your services, that's when you talk about overvalued. Uh, yeah. I like using overvalued as opposed to overrated. It is just kind of a, you're nicer uh, than me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I completely understand that for sure. Uh, what were you saying, Toss? I was just going to say, could Correa be on one team with the, with the kind of villain heel narrative from one to another? Is that, is that what we're looking at? I mean, you talk about a team that can spend. We always know that right. the Yankees are, are willing to, to shekel out a, a few shekels. There we go. He's converted, baby. Finally, it's taken five years. We got another Jew on the show. <laughs> Dude, that's the thing, man, is the market has completely shrugged for Cray, obviously, uh, with the signings of, you know, Simeon and Seager both going to Texas. So now it, it comes down to, and like I mentioned already, the Mariners not willing to move off of JP at shortstop. So now it becomes, okay, the two biggest suitors for Carlos Cray right now, at least teams that, are capable of giving him a 300 plus million dollar contract, the Dodgers and the Yankees who did the Astros knock off in 2017 during that science ceiling scandal. 
the Dodgers and the Yankees. Um, very interesting enough. Uh, it was uh, it, it, Altuve ended up taking like judges, MVP, stuff like that. So like there's bad blood between those clubs. I think most players would be able to get past that. I compare it very much to Trevor Bauer this last year too. Trevor mm-hmm. Bauer, obviously coming off of Cy Young, and we could talk about his legal issues this year, what ended up happening and resulting from that signing at, at another time. But coming into this season, there were questions how he would fit into a clubhouse. The Dodgers took a chance on him. It didn't end up working out for him. He ended up having his own legal issues. So are the Dodgers, are the Yankees able to take a character in question type player into their clubhouse? That remains to be seen. The city, the city of New York, yes, is it, they're, they're tough critics, but they also love the guys that they love more than anyone. I mean, Julius Randle last year took the Knicks to the playoffs and there were the most amount of jerseys in New York were Julius Randle jerseys. Like if you had told me that three years ago, I would have said there's no way in hell that would have ever happened. And so if he plays well, kind of does the opposite of what Lindor did for the Mets, they could welcome him with open arms there. You, you never know. I mean, it's a, it's a fickle city. Here's what I dislike about New York too. New York, the Yankees last year, they were my least favorite team to watch. They are so dry, so boring, and they're so old fashioned. They need to translate into the times. The whole shaving of the facial hair. Let's let's get away with that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's 2021, almost 2022 here. Let's adapt to the times here. You have great players, but you have zero energy, zero um, team identity. The whole like like I feel like their identity right now is like it's the old business businessman goes to work nine to five, works solid, you know, like uh, white collar type job. Yeah, that's not what players want to be anymore. Like uh, Clint Frazier shared out on his social media handles a couple of days ago. He said the razor's coming out like I find or I'm throwing the razor away, I think is what he said. So like they want to express themselves in today's age. And I I, I don't think that's I don't think we should condemn players for wanting to to be their own person and to kind of express themselves in that in that way. For sure. That's a great point. I think this is a great transition to the next topic that we want to discuss with you. Right. Growing in the game of baseball. So we're still going to lock out. For those who haven't heard, um, what do you make of it so far? And uh, what do you want to see? And, and, and I guess, you know, how do we improve the situation? What I want to see is honesty, but I don't think we're going to get that. Um, right. The couple of guys that I've talked to, there's someone very close to the situation. Rob Manfred basically came out and said that the players union requested and sent in a proposal for, for agency to be uh, down to five years, right? As is, or before the CBA ended, it was six years. Rob Manfred straight up said the players union want five years. The guys I talked to and the guys I spoke to, they did not reiterate that response. They said they never submitted that proposal. That's just a strategy and tactic that the major league baseball owners are using in order to make the players union look poorly among the uh, public perception. So what I want out of this whole deal is not necessarily a deal. I just want honesty and I want straightforwardness. And right now that's not what we're getting. And maybe that's too much to ask because we haven't seen it from either of these sides. Both sides are very childish. You saw it with major league baseball, taking down the headshots and not using names and changing their entire website. It's very childish. And I, I think we need to hold major league baseball and the players union too, to a higher standard personally. Pathetic. Like, first of all, we say this all the time on our show for 300 plus episodes, Rob Manfred's a loser. There's no other which way around it. Uh, you don't have to say it, Danny. I'll be the one to, to jump in, the, in that lake. I mean, and the whole shadow thing was like, grow, like you're saying, grow up. Like, what is this, dude? 
are we 14 years old on AOL? Like, what is going on that you're pulling this kind of stuff? It's completely embarrassing. Um, and that's why we wanted to start off, you know, on a high note here, because we can all three, I'm, I'm sure you can as well, very much tangent on how, you know, piss poor and pathetic this has been. It's the, you, the NBA has been brought up and the NBA does an excellent job of giving the players what they want. Mm-hmm. And that's what this needs to be. We're throwing these contracts around anyway. They're getting paid $300 million. We've had guys, and I'm sure you've had guys in your show, you host it with Middlebrooks. They talk about how horrible the minor leagues are, and they really are just an absolute embarrassment, and they're somewhat getting better these days. But start there, and then start giving these guys what they want and take care of them, and that way you can promote the game better. I think going back to the Yankees point, as a Sox fan, I hate the Yankees more than anybody, but I don't necessarily dislike the shaving of the rule thing. I think it's just kind of lost and befuddled and we don't view them as the villain anymore. We're not painting these guys as the villain. Like the Patriots are boring. I'm a Pats fan. We threw three times the other night. Talk Mm. about a snoozer of a game, but at the same time, you still love to hate them. And people, if you're not a Pats fan, you hate them. We've lost that with the Yankees. We've lost the spice around a lot of players. Believe it or not, I mean, it's good for baseball when the Yankees are good, in my opinion, right? Yeah, of course. They're, they're, they're the biggest villain. I mean, they're, they're the death star, you know, that you want to take down every year. But when they're not playing good, part of it comes from an identity thing, too. I mean, baseball suffers a little bit. So um, what are some things that you want to see just for Major League Baseball going forward, you know, growing the game, making it more swag? Like, do you have some fun ideas that you can throw at us that we can take to Major League Baseball? <laughs> well, let me touch on the the initial subject you brought up and that's taking care of their players and taking care of the minor leaguers. I think that's, that's really where it starts. Right. Uh, Jeremy, I, I, he's going to kill me if I say his name wrong. I believe it's Jeremy Fowler. He works with uh, minor league fund. Uh, they basically raise funds for minor league players. I, I'm ruining his name and I apologize for that, yeah. but long story short, I had interviewed him about a year and a half ago. And he said, there's a direct correlation between teams that compete at the major league level and how well they take care of their players in the minor league ranks. So typically, the teams that take care of their minor leaguers the best, the Dodgers, the Cleveland now Guardians, and uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, they take care of their minor league players typically very, very well. It's not necessarily to say that they're putting them in suites every single night, but they give them good places to stay every night. They're very open in communication, and they take care of their minor leaguers. There's a direct correlation to how that translates to the big leagues and how the culture is translated up to the big leagues. So taking care of the minor leagues is, in my opinion, they're doing a good, better job of that. I mean, they're paying for their housing now starting this yep. next year, which is huge, a huge milestone, huge. I, I have so many friends that play minor league baseball players I used to play with. Yeah. I could not be happier for those guys because whatever everything that they went through during the pandemic, especially. God, gee, yeah. I mean, that was horrible. And the the cup of noodles, four guys in a cot. It's like, it's embarrassing. And you know what? Those teams, obviously, the Dodgers can spend money any which way they want. But look at their farm. Look how good those guys are. They've brought up. That's what they won. Look at, I mean, the Rays. We talk about the cows come home. And we were talking about the Guardians the other day. I turned. I think I was Nick and I on the couch, like, hey, do we blow up the Guardians? And he's like, well, first of all, you can't because they're rebranding as a franchise, which is a great point. But also, like, look at the guys they bring through. It's like kind of, especially in the pitching, you know, standpoint, it's kind of a wagon wheel over there. Yeah, though, and they do it via trade too. I mean, they traded for like, like they identify talent really well. They were able to get Cal Quantrill last year from the Padres, who I've, 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 I'm seeing my Padres squad right here. I mean, he's a really good arm. 
a really good arm. And I mean, a guy that you can look at, even when he was with the Padres, you could tell the stuff was there. And I think Cleveland identified that. So they do it through their own farm system. And then they do it via trade as well. Um, going back to your initial question, one thing I do want to see is I want to look at Oakland and everything that they've done to their franchise. Now I want to never see that happen again in major league baseball. What's going on in Oakland right now is a travesty and people don't realize that because they don't care what's going on in Oakland right now. Yeah. This team doesn't have a manager. This team doesn't know what stadium they're going to be playing in the near future. This team is supposedly shipping off any type of big name player on their team right now. And this team was lowest in attendance has been lowest in attendance for the past decade. That's bad for baseball. Oakland has fans. However, they do not want to show up to the ballpark because they have no idea who's taking the field each, each given day because it changes every single day. They have no idea where their team's going to be playing. They have no idea who their manager is. That's an embarrassment. Everything that's happening over in Oakland recently, especially, that's an embarrassment to baseball. That can't happen. That needs somebody needs to be uh, somebody needs to take accountability for what's happening over in the East Bay. It's it's the most routine integrated sport known to existence, right? Like if you're a fan of baseball, you enjoy it from from the like from the old days. You used to go, you'd have your roster list, right, and you know who's one through nine. And you and you you know what they did three nights ago, and you want to know what they're going to do today, and like that inconsistency just pushes people away. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like for, for example, like Christmas is coming up, right? I was looking for gifts for my brother. He's a big time Sacramento Kings fan. My dad's a big time Oakland A's fan, and I was I know it's terrible. I see the face on. on <laughs> it's it, trust me, it's I'm a Kings fan. It's the word Pirates fans. You don't know how good you have it. Point being, though, I'm looking at like team stores trying to look at equipment to buy for for my guys here, and. I can't buy an Oakland A's jersey. Nothing. Nothing. I'm not going to buy a Matt Olson jersey, a Matt Chapman jersey, because I have no idea how long they're going to last. I, the, my only option is buying a custom jersey. But shit, if it says Oakland across the front, they might not be in Oakland. They might be in you Vegas. I mean? <laughs> exactly. So what yeah. am I supposed to do as a as – an, Oh, it's a, a novelty gift, son. Thank you. Like, that's exactly what it becomes. And the, so, like, if yeah. no lockout, like Chapman and Olsen could have been gone last week. Yeah, for all we know, you you can buy uh, your dad a couple of copies of Moneyball or something. I mean, that's timeless <laughs> classic. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, obviously the Padres reaped the benefits of that getting Bob Melvin, but that was also head scratcher as well, right? Like the organization allowed us to just take him away for nothing. And yes, it's a sign of good faith that Bob Melvin put in some good years with Oakland. He deserves an opportunity to go out and get a championship with a good roster, but. I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that the city is not aligned with the team, which is also not aligned with MLB, right? Like no one wants to help them get a new stadium. No one wants to help them grow. I think like this is kind of like a big FU to the city and a big FU to MLB. And they're just like, okay, like force us to move somewhere, right? Have us, have us, you know, pay, pay for a stadium for us in Las Vegas, you know, relocate us somewhere. So we'll see what happens, but it's really unfortunate. Yeah. And you bring that up. It's a great point. It is. There's just guys. In the, you see, the thing, though, is the Rays were small market forever, but they turn around and they give Franco that wonder Franco that deal. The Padres were small market forever. They turn around and they give Tatis Jr. that deal. Where's Chapman's money? Because outside of Arenado, he's one of the best fielders of the century. Where's Olsen's money? Why can't you pay these guys? I mean, Starling Marte was great for you last year. Nye is good. He's solid. Like, why can't you pay anybody? Like, why can't you flip the script? It is kind of a, just a, it's, it's lazy. Mm-hmm. And that is bad for the sport because, you, you know, you need all hands and say what you will about the Kings. They try. Yep. 
there's a more there's more of an effort for the Kings than there are the A's. <laughs> okay, I'll say not to mention with the A's too though. John Fisher, I think people don't realize this is he's one of the richest owners in, in Major League Baseball too. So it's not as so the Kansas City Royals and the Miami Marlins they have a legitimate excuse for like a team like the Kansas City Royals back in like 2016 they actually lost more money than they gained over a season. Like they, like that's investing in a team right there. And I love that. So I, I, I rarely ever critique Kansas city for not spending Oakland, John Fisher, this guy's worth like $3.2 billion or something crazy like that, according to Forbes. And they're in Oakland, like they're in the Bay area. Like I understand that San Francisco is right across the Bay there, but that is a metropolitan paradise, right? There's a ton of people in the Bay area. I'm not talking about Oakland, the city, but you take into account San Jose, Everything in the East Bay, there is a lot of people. And there's a lot of Ace fans, too. There's this myth out there that there's not Ace fans. It's not that. It's just they've lost their fan base because of everything they've done. Yeah. Super unfortunate. Anything at the top of, like, the the brass that you want to see change in terms of, like, the front offices? I mean, I was thrown out there, like, give Ken Griffey Jr. a spot or something <laughs> in Major League Baseball to kind of help swagify the game. That's a good point. You know, I think baseball a lot of times get the uh, speaking of myths. I think baseball sometimes gets this myth that is very old, old fashioned, a bunch of old heads. And I think that, that there is some truth to that. But I think baseball has taken a turn, and I think it is heading in the right direction. It's it took time. It took a while for people to kind of appreciate what this new game is. But I think we have taken or turned that corner. Mm-hmm. I think Major League Baseball does a phenomenal job across their social handles. There's this idea that Major League Baseball doesn't market their players. And I get that to a degree, but man, everything that happens, these team handles are sharing it. Like their social media uh, employees for Major League Baseball do a fantastic job across TikTok, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. I think Major League Baseball, like I said, has turned a corner and they're doing a much better job promoting their players and accepting the game for what it is. We had beef with the Miami Marlins Twitter at one point, right? It was sweet. Yeah, we got in their face. Yeah. <laughs> what did they sure. do? No, it was us. It was me, to be honest. I, I, think, got, we had, I, I think we had them on and they like they snapped back, which they is started, great. We, you want to see that, right? Yeah, it was ridiculous. They started clapping back us. But it, I mean, you, it's like you listen to our show. I really felt this past year that the Instagram of MLB was fantastic and they did a complete mm-hmm. 180. And so I think that, and that's why it is frustrating because things are heading in the right direction, but we want it to be expedited. Uh, two more for you. One is something we always ask all our guests before we get to that question. Steroid guys hall or not the hall. This is tough, man. So I've gone back and forth so many different times. They absolutely need to, they need to be in the hall of fame, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, all these guys. Yep. I'm, I don't see an issue with, putting like essentially making a room in the hall of fame where all the steroid guys are like, like it was an era in baseball. It's known as the steroid era. It's part of the history of the game. So have your statues of each of the players and, and your Clemens is your bonds is your, you know, Gary Sheffield too. And your uh, whoever have them in there and you can title the room steroid era or however you want to, but to completely remove them from the history of the game, that to me doesn't do the, the game justice. Because if you're a child, for example, you walk into the Hall of Fame, you walk into Cooperstown, and you're trying to learn the game and learn the history, you don't see Barry Bonds. And all of a sudden, like, maybe you look at the stat sheet and like, yeah. hey, Dad, you know what? There's Barry Bonds actually led the league in homers all the time. He's not even in here. Like, what happened? So I think just completely removing him from the conversation hurts the game and hurts the history of it, personally. 
Definitely. And the fact that there's also guys probably already in Cooperstown that use steroids. I mean, it's hard to filter, but my issue is that like, there's certain writers out there that are like putting guys like Manny, like Manny Ramirez on and like Clemens on, but leaving bonds off, leaving a rod off. Like, are we just picking and choosing or like, come on, can we just that? I hate pick a side. The subjectivity of it is is really tough. I mean, and then, and then all of a sudden we're saying Buster Posey is the first ballot, which I'm okay with letting Posey in. I really am. I grew up a Giants fan. I love Buster Posey. But his accolades, maybe not accolades, his totals compared to some of these steroid guys, I mean, it's not even close. No, no. Uh, but I'm, I'm for him going in, dude. He was a, he's a beast. He's a champ, like a champ champ. Um, last one, one more question for you. Yeah. We asked this to all of our guests. This could be from you as a player, as a fan, as a writer, whatever, man. Your favorite sports memory of all time? Oh man, put me on the spot here. Well, I, all right, I said I was a Buster Posey fan, and I grew up in Northern California. the 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 first World Series in 2010 was pretty special. I mean, just growing up a, a Giants fan and Lincecum, Brian Wilson, uh, the Panda. I mean, we had that, some, that was sweet. Uh, Matt Cain, uh, Jonathan Sanchez, like that was pretty special for me. I was very fortunate to be in high school at the time when all three of those championships were won. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't ever experience their team win a championship ever. So I felt very fortunate to watch my team win three, the first one in 2010 being pretty special. That was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. man. Danny, thank you for joining us. Where can the people find you? Yeah. Uh, once you're done listening to this podcast, head over to the wake and rake pod too. If you don't have enough baseball, uh, content in your life and then cbssports.com. I know baseball's a little dry right now, but we're popping up with some content every day. So, uh, yeah, hit us with a you follow. guys, you guys do a great job. Yeah. Thank you for, that. thank you for joining us, man. Danny Fietti, go check him out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.